1: I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome back to another Western Rookie Podcast, brought to you by Go Hunt. I'm your host Brian Krebs, and today we actually have Dave Barnett from Go Hunt on the call, and we're going to be talking research, hunt planning, all the fun things that go into the next four months of a Western hunter's life. So, how's it going, Maybe Dave?
0: Time man? of the year. It's. <laughs> It's
1: a wild time. Excellent,
0: man. We've been. Uh, it is. It is. It, it's weird to like just get done a season and have to jump right back into things.
1: That is a topic. It's a good topic you brought up because it took me two seasons to realize like I needed to address that issue with my wife or my girlfriend at the time and then fiance. Like, you know, <laughs> I hunt a lot. Like, one the year we met. Um, I had a couple, I had a once in a lifetime tag that I dedicated like all of my free time towards Was a North Dakota, once in a lifetime elk tag. Then the next year I had like 10 tags. Mm -hmm. I had 10 hunts. She was living, doing a residency, a state (laughs) away. She worked every other weekend. So I told her, I will not miss a weekend you have off except for our like big nine day elk hunt. I'll miss a weekend. Um, and so right. I was, like, I made a Gantt chart of, like, all the tags and the season dates. And then, like, the weekends I had to, like, go see her and when I could get in each of these hunts. And and that was the one that really did it in because I was hunting, like, all the time. And so then, you know, by the end of the season, right. she's kind of burnt out on, like, talking about hunting. And then I have to go right into, like, applying for hunts <laughs> again. And she's just like, no. And so it's like we got to have this conversation. Right. Otherwise, we're going to get to October and you're going to think we're doing one thing. And I'm going to be like, I have a tag. Like I told you this, you know? And so you have to like, you have to have a plan for that. Like it's a very real thing. Like you can't, you know, do it. Like you have to find a way to have that conversation in January. So you're on the same page for October.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And that's the trouble. I mean, you got like deadlines spread out over six months and, you know, some of them, like if you don't, if you don't hit that deadline, like that's your point for the year, you're toast. Like if you missed it. you yeah. know, like, Yeah. You constantly have to be on top of things.
1: Yeah. It, it like Colorado is the one that comes to mind. Like if you don't do your Colorado app, you're not getting a Colorado point. And, and Colorado is a crucial yeah. state to build points in for, for anyone you know, especially mm-hmm. like you know, Midwesterners that are traveling to hunts, and if you're not a if you're not a resident in any state, then you really have to play the the point shuffle. Like you got to shuffle your states out because you're unless you do over the counter every year, you're not going to go to Get Wyoming elk hunting every year, so, right? Yeah, one of my goals in life, like I want to have a nice life, career, you know hopefully retire early, and then my Moonlight career, one of them could easily be dedicated towards, like, getting every state aligned for applications. I've heard, like, Steven and Rinella talk about, like, oh, one of his ideas is to, like, when he retires, just get every state on the same page when it comes to Blaze Orange Laws. Like, are we wearing hats? Are we not wearing hats? Where are we yeah. standing here? You know, for me, it would be like, right. we're going to do it systematically. It starts on January 1st. You know, Jan 1 to 15 is Arizona. Your results are on the 21st, to the 22nd, New Mexico. Your results are, you know, just bam, 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 bam. <laughs> yeah. There's no overlap. We're, You know, we're going to handle all the IT in the back end so your state's website doesn't crash, uh, you know, looking at Idaho. <laughs> I mean, this, we're going to do it all. We're going to write in. You know, everyone's <laughs> going to have your point. You're, you're, you're going to buy your points in August before the hunting season, before you're distracted, before you're out of cell service for the year right like july 1st to august 30th you can buy your point for any state that does points like everything's gonna be you know that would be a great moonlight career it would never be possible
0: but (laughs) oh yeah we've talked about that on our end so much i mean like even even like down to like harvest stats like there's so much like difference from state to state to state to state like i mean we're dealing with stats with you know every single season on our site all year long like there's some states that are awesome there's other states that are horrible it's just like you know it's you probably kind of an even keel you know but to your point like with the applications i mean it's like you know you got you got one state that you're you're up fronting all of your app and your tag fusion you're floating them for six months while you're trying to like maybe bank on these other hunts that you might draw but then you got to worry like can i still return that tag if i do draw it and like i mean it's chaotic
1: oh it's it's utter chaos and so like idaho um it seems like a great option. Like, oh, Idaho, over-the-counter, perfect. When we can't draw in any other state, we'll do Idaho. Well, you can't do over-the-counter group apps. or Like, it's not an app, technically, but you can't really do over-the-counter Idaho right. in a group. Like, if you – it's like me and my dad wanted to go, like, yeah, sure, we call in, we get our spot in line. Hey, Dad, I'm 452, you're, you know, 512. So if there's, you know, 100 tags left when I get up, you should be good. And we'll pick that unit and go together. You right. know what I mean? But, you know, add any more people than that and good
0: luck. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's such a horrible, I mean, we get that question all the time. I mean, Idaho's. It, it, it's really funny how Idaho literally went from like the back pocket state for everybody. I mean, Like last time I hunted, I hunted the panhandle zone, which is not a good zone in Idaho. I just I grew up there and went back there, you know, for old time state type thing. Last time I hunted that, uh, which was in 2019, I bought that like in august before i went up there now like that panhandle tag gone after a couple of days and i mean it, it's not a good hunt um you know but like i'll get guys all the time like yeah you know we got a group of four guys we're looking at idaho and like just like your fingers or forget it you know like it's just it's not a good system right now and it's really hard to plan on on you know doing a group hunt there and that, it, and it is even, even from the aspect of just you know yeah and you know and even from like we've got a group of four guys. Two of us will go hunt this year. The other two will go next year. We'll kind of build some, you know, some knowledge there, but like you can't count on getting that again. It might be five years before you get it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a very weird, weird environment over there right now.
1: Yeah. Colorado really is your only backup state. um, As of now, yeah. which, you know, it sounds like they're changing a lot of how that works. So it might not be a great backup state anymore. Got to wait and see what happens. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm
0: like, I'm in the midst of that this year where I have I have an opening in September and I don't have like enough points to pull anything anywhere. I have like nothing in the pan right now. So I'm like <laughs> that's why I'm like digging into these like back pocket, you know, Colorado. Oh. Maybe I can squeak like a turn back egg in Idaho. You know, it's just yeah, it's it's, it's tough, you know. But I mean to that extent too, like even like going into the points game, which I'm sure we'll get into this, you know, like opportunity side of things. Like there's there a lot of, there's a lot of hunts that a lot of people overlook that are, that are still there that you can get, you know, just because you don't have, you know, something lined out. doesn't mean you have to go OTC. You know, a lot of times. I mean, there's zero point hunts. Yeah. Pretty regularly in a lot of areas too.
1: Yeah. No, there's the, if you want to elk hunt and you're not picky on where, like I have elk mm-hmm. hunted at least once a year since college, which was eight years ago. Some for years, sure. one year I did twice. Like, it, sure. there's always a way to elk hunt. It what gets what Definitely. gets con- complicated is oh, I don't want to go to that state, or I don't want to go to this state, or we have like for us mm-hmm. we have eight people in our group, so that's hard, right? You know, Montana, you can only apply in groups <laughs> of five. Like, who came up with five? Right. <laughs> right wyoming is six either way we're screwed and so we always have to make sure we have like okay well, right. we'll put him in this group because that guy doesn't have enough points and we'll put that guy in these two in this group you know and mm-hmm. we should both draw if not everyone else is bear hunting you know and at least we get to hang out and camp together but right who, you know if, if the goal is to go archery elk hunting archery yeah. bear hunting doesn't really <laughs> scratch the itch
0: <laughs> no No, especially in the fall. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing too, like, you know, I mean, it's not everybody's first pick, but like cow elk licenses are so readily available everywhere in the West. Like odds of success are really high. Same hunt you're getting with bulls to an extent. Um, You know, and then like one like thing we've always kind of pushed real hard around here is like the only way to get good at killing elk is by killing elk. Yeah. You know, so like in those years where you can't pull a bull tag, like those cow tags, especially I don't want to blow this up, but like Wyoming reduced price uh, antelope tags, dirt cheap and they're really easy to get. You can go hunt a cow every year. Like you can always have elk meat in your freezer. Yeah. Or opportunities to do so, I should say. Well, that's. But but yeah, you know, I mean, you break down some of the typical, like, I need to kill a big buck, I need to kill a big bull, and you start just looking like, I want to fill a tag this year. I want to go do a hunter experience something new. Like there's a lot of that out there still.
1: Oh, there's so much opportunity, and, and and that's why I like using, like, filtering 2.0 I probably is the number one tool that I use, and I'm sure you're like, yeah, you and everyone else, but, <laughs> like, you can look up all this stuff so easy, like, so fast. You can, I mean, imagine sure. having, like, imagine especially you, because you live in this, you know, back-end, all the mm-hmm. knowledge, all the tools, all the data, imagine if, like, tomorrow your boss is like, hey, Dave, we want to do this little like YouTube series where you can't use any of our tools anymore. You have to use like the game and fish website, Excel sheets to plan your hunts. Right. Like how yeah. how horrible that would be after like the tools we have today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be brutal. I mean, you know, having, yeah. I mean, you know, having some knowledge and some of the things like some States draws are, are, you know, you can get into the draw reports and you can kind of break them down, but I mean, you get into some of them that are complicated, uh, you know, New Mexico or, or Nevada, you know, New Mexico's considering three choices at a time. Nevada's considering five choices at a time. Like you, like you can't get in and look at data and be like, Oh yeah, I can draw that this year. Like you just can't, you can't do that. You know, unless you have really intricate, crazy computers that are, that are doing that for you. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of variability to it and that's always been the big stick with going. It's just, you know, every, every state is different, vastly different. And, you know, trying to get all that into a place where a hunter can digest it, you know, in single clicks and not have to have this crazy understanding, you know, that's that's the goal, you know, to break those barriers down.
1: Yeah. And that the, the, the one thing that I also use, I mean, we rarely do two apps a year. So mm-hmm. our group of eight, it's eight now, it started out as four and, you know, we've had everything in between. But we're using, you know, I've used Go Hunt to plan every single hunt in the West I've ever done, from like day one when I started archery out. Kind of like, oh hey, like how do we pick where to go? And in it, the the problem was we couldn't go to Wyoming. Our favorite spot was in Wyoming. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's at, back then it was like a two and a half, three point draw. So we're like, well, we got to find a new unit. So everyone's like, all right, everyone think of a new spot to hunt. And so then I was like, well, Google,
0: <laughs> right. go hunt
1: comes up. Oh, and I was listening to Randy Newberg. And obviously I'm like, well, I'll just sign up for Insider. It sounds yeah. like I can figure out, you know, and we use that and we throw out a couple of units. And we, but ever since then, I've used it for every hunt. And, and, we just don't like float multiple apps. Like I don't really love financing Wyoming game and fish for six months out of the year. <laughs> so <laughs> if, one of the worst ones. yeah, well the change, I don't know what I would love to have been a fly on the wall in those conversations. Like now let's make the non-residents oh, apply yeah. in January and we'll do the, the results in May. The residents can apply two days before the results come out, but the non-residents have to be there for five months. <laughs> yeah. Um, And so like we, we've still <laughs> hunted Wyoming, but, you know, we only really apply when we know we're going to draw with the draw odds. And we're like we For sure. we're yeah. looking at point creep and we're seeing how much it's jumping each year and, you know, trying to put a little buffer on it. We've been bit once or twice, but typically it's like, are mm-hmm. we going to draw or not? Nope. Okay, we'll go to a different state. And this like this year it was Colorado. We took advantage of one of those zero point units, like you said, to get away with a little bit of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, we forgot all about the bikers in the hikers we still had a lot of pressure
0: (laughs) but yeah
1: but uh but that's what the tool can do for you like if you don't want to be floating like like new mexico i was going to bring up yeah it doesn't have a point system it seems like a good idea but it's also never a guarantee so you always have to do that app and if you really are dedicated about going elk hunting you have to do another one too and so now you have i think you front new mexico's tag to to apply is that? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you got do. that 1250 out there on New Mexico and if you do Wyoming, you got another 700 out there. It's like you got a $2000 bill you got to pay that's not like you're going to have to actually pay that bill before you get that money back if you don't yeah. draw. And some people just aren't like they're just frankly not in a position where they want to do that. Like I don't really want two grand out of my checking account for a couple months. Right. And it's so a lot of
0: float.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of float, so it's nice when you can say like no, we're probably not going to draw and you can you can rotate your states, and I would say be very confident you're going to know what the results are going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, we've yeah, done that a definitely. few years, and now we're starting to get we're starting to get on thin ice. Like, well, we might draw, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> if we don't, we're going to go to Colorado. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at.
1: Sometimes when I'm planning my applications or my point strategy, I want to see what the latest overview for a state and a species is. And where I stand with the number of points I have. The easiest way to get the overview of a state and a species' current status is with the application strategy articles in the Go Hunt Insider Service. The team at Go Hunt puts together the application strategy articles each year for application season, and it has the latest update for that animal, the conditions in the unit, such as drought or snowfall levels changes to the state, and details about what you can expect with the different ranges of points you might have. I use these articles for both my current season applications and when I'm looking at those options for a 10- to 15-year draw tag in a special unit. The application strategy articles are a great place to start when you are planning your fall and deciding which states and animals to apply for. Head over to GoHunt.com. And check out the application strategy articles and all the tools you get with your Insider membership, and you'll see why I love Go Hunt Insider so much. It's the best collection of information on Western hunting available, and it's all in one place. And when you sign up using the code WESTERN, you'll get $50 of free credit in the gear shop. Not only is Go Hunt giving you all the information you need to plan a successful hunt, but they are also giving you fifty dollars towards a new piece of gear for that hunt so head over to GoHunt.com, get signed up and you'll be kicking yourself if you didn't have the insider service sooner
0: and i've had a like a pretty good run. i mean like i'm usually a guy that like i get a handful of points and I'm gonna burn them I just like to go on hunt and you know hit different things like kind of thing. i mean there, you know there's some states that have to carry points in. you know so i'm like kind of continually burning points but yeah that's where like i i kind of treat wyoming in the same route where like you know, I'll I'll go for that 75% of preference tags that are guaranteed just because like your random odds are generally low. And at that point, you know, kind of my, you know, say three to five year plan, I want to have a state figured out in my off years that I have a better than, you know, an 8% chance of drawing that tag. And I don't want to rely on that. I I apply to Wyoming when I know I can go or, you know, high degree of confidence I can go. Um, You know, same as you treat, you know, Colorado or whatever being a true preference, Um, you know, but, but yeah, it's interesting. Like, Past few years, I've 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 used up a lot of points, and so I'm sitting in a situation where I'm like, the only points I have are in states that I need ten more to get anything in, and I'm just like, you know, one point here and there type of thing, and it's like balancing. But like, it, it, it's kind of exciting too, in a way, to be like really focusing in on OTC tags because so those are your bread and butter ones. Those are the ones you can hunt year over year, and you know, if you find a good unit. I've always been a firm believer that, you know, even if you're in a not so good unit, if you figure it out, you're going to become a killer in that area. Yeah. You know, so finding some of those areas and kind of hidden gems, like it, it's fun on those OTC hunts. I mean, it, while you're on the hunt, sometimes you want to tear your hair out, but you know what I mean? But there's always, there's always kind of that, that opportunity there.
1: Yeah. No. So if I take out um, the North Dakota hunt, cause that's a fluke residents only, you know, that that's a very special situation and the elk Curtis phenomenal. I think it, since it's residents only, mm-hmm. it doesn't get the national press that like the Gila gets in Arizona get, but right. in the in right. like Utah, but those bowls like there's not as many of them as Utah and Arizona, but they're just as big. Like the number three all time oh, yeah. was in North Dakota for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but other yeah. than that, I have seen the like top four biggest bowls I've ever seen were in general units, you know specifically Montana Generals.
0: You know, oh yeah, like we've I used seen three fifty all the time. Like when it comes to like, oh yeah, hundred percent. That's the thing. Like you look at a state like Idaho a little bit, but like Montana, Wyoming. Like I mean, you, your average guy is gonna kill. You know, a Raghorn, two hundred sixty inch six point whatever. But like at any point on a lot of general units in Wyoming and Montana, like a three forty ball comes showing up, and mm-hmm. it's just you know it's just a normal day for him. Like I mean, there's there's just that potential, and like you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big bull guy. I'm, I'm just an elk killing guy. Like, I see illegal elk. I'm like, I'm going to kill that thing just because my family loves it. My kids love it. You know I mean? We love having elk Um, you know, but like you hunt long enough in a state like Montana and Wyoming and you put your time in Like there's a legit chance you can kill a like, really nice bull in those areas.
1: Yeah. So I we talk, I talk a lot. I say we, I talk a lot on the podcast about point strategies. And we talked a little bit about it too, but I have a short mid Mm -hmm. and long-term point strategy and I'm not going to claim that I came up with this idea. I stole it from Randy. He talks about it all the time. Um, but I kind of view it like Colorado is, and and Wyoming now true to be honest is my mid point units. Mm -hmm. Um, Montana, Colorado OTC. Um, if I was solo hunting Idaho could be my short-term States, and then I got like Arizona and Utah as my long term states, and I don't even know why I yeah. donate to Utah's, you know, <laughs> Game and Fish five hundred one c three because I look at the stats, it's like, woohoo, I went up from four tenths to five tenths of a percent chance this year. <laughs> yeah, for
0: sure, it is crazy because like Utah has a pretty generous tag system where 50 percent are going to your high point holders 50 percent are going random but it's like they're so high profile i mean like your, your crappy limited entry health units in utah are incredible you know so i mean like it's all good hunting you have a lot of apps i mean like even yeah even if you don't have enough points to draw it like you can always draw on that random side but like, yeah. it's well i mean you can't you can't necessarily count on it
1: no not um, for you know the same with,
0: right and the same to be said with like arizona like you, you arizona is probably one of my favorite like application and point systems out there just the way that they conduct their draw where you have 80 percent of your tags going random and i'll back that up and saying it's one of my favorites from like a low point standard so like typically like most people think of arizona and you're thinking you know giant bulls giant bucks that type of thing you know but there's a lot of, of opportunity hunts out there if you're willing to look for it i mean you know in, in arizona i mean your late archery elk and your late rifle elk you know yeah. for a non-resident those are those are a pretty approachable hunt um, you know, in the last, uh, I guess, four or five years now, I've drawn three tags in Arizona that normally take five or six points. I've drawn those on zero. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always some opportunities. And I mean, granted, the last elk tag I had in Arizona, it's, it's November bow hunt for elk, which is not fun. I mean, <laughs> well, it's not fun. It's not easy. <laughs> no, you know, it's a grind. It's good. Um, you know, but it's an Arizona elk tag in your pocket, you know? So yeah, I think, you know, kind of having that understanding of, of you know, the states you're looking at, but then also like how do I want to use my points here? You know, do, if you're building Arizona points, like, do you want to kill a 360 or are you comfortable killing a 260 every, you know, every couple of years or whatever, Right. you know, so I think starting out, like initially kind of getting like, you know, here's what I want out of the state, or here's what I want out of my Western, you know, my Western hunt. Like you see it in Wyoming quite often. You have a guy's like, yeah, you know, I know you can buy Wyoming points. I, I have 12 of them. What what should I do? And I'm like, you know, it's like, okay, what I would have went hunting five I years hunt ago that. if I were you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, you you could hunt that general tag three or four times. Like, you might you might have killed a three fifteen bull already. But you know, had you been out there, like,
1: yeah, I mean, my brother, the last bull he shot was a Wyoming archery. Was that the last bull? One of the last bulls he shot was a Wyoming archery bull. It was like three o eight. Which yeah, that's, and that's I think big bull. I want to be a part of a culture shift on what a big bull is. I really do. Because it, it seems like yeah. it's not cool if it doesn't start with a three. And I bet if you threw up a 275 yeah. in front of most hunters, they'd be like, oh, that's a 320. You know, if elk guys maybe not, but your 100%. average whitetail hunter, like a 275, a 280 6x6 six six is a big bull. Like that, I've shot them. They're oh, big. Yeah. And you're happy to shoot them. And like a 320 everyone, it seems like that's where the bar is now. Like, oh, I'm not going to shoot him unless he's 320 because 300 used to be big, but then everyone, right. you know, so you, you got to up it. <laughs> I mean, a 320 is massive. Like almost all elk hunters will never right. shoot a 320.
0: No, no, they won't. Yeah. And I mean like, yeah, like I, I grew up in Northern Idaho and a lot of the elk that we had there were almost like more reminiscent of like Roosevelt, like crazy, crazy big bodies on them, And like, a big bull would go like 270 280 and a lot of times they're like real short stubby dark antlers like real heavy just kind of gnarly so for me like i mean a 260 270 i mean a six point was like a good bull a big bull you know and like now like yeah i mean a 280 inch six point that's a beautiful bull that's a gorgeous hero on the wall you know it's like yeah you look at like yeah 300 is big you know and i mean you start talking you know you know 320 330 like they're getting real big at that point like in idaho this year i had an idaho otc tag um one of the best zones in the state. And, you know, so I, I went there. I'm like, okay, you know, like, like I said, I, I'm not a points guy. I've never had a, a good tag. You know, I've, I've had some decent tags. But I've never been like, you know, like oh man, that's a primo tag. I've never had that. This is probably, even though it was an OTC tag, it was probably one of the best elk tags I've had. um You know, so I went in there. I, I passed on a couple of elk first time I've ever done that. And again, you know, I, I'm like, if it's legal, I'm probably going to kill it, you know, type of thing. Yeah. So like, I'm passing on these. And like, you know, like, you're just, you know, kind of hoping for that. But, like, you know, that being said, like, a 280 and six-point come out of me, you know, 10 minutes in the opening day, I would have killed that thing in a heartbeat. Right. So like, I, I love a bowl that looks like that.
1: Yeah. I just wanted, I want it to be cool to, like, call 280s big and people, like, yeah, that is huge, you know. And it, a lot of right. people, everyone that I talk to that's a serious hunter is on the same page. And I've talked to, like, we had Ryan Carter on the podcast. Like, if there's someone in America that knows more about giant elk than Ryan Carter – Like, let me know who it is, right? And he's like, Yeah, dude, 280s, yeah. And he's like, His job is killing 400s for people,
0: right? Oh, yeah, I drool over, yeah, his pictures all the time, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, and I think a lot of it, like, you know, I don't want to bump on it too hard, but like, you know, it's like social media. I mean, like, it just it made like big bulls so much more approachable because like you're seeing photos of them, but I think like a lot of times, like, you get. You know these new people coming in or you know new western hunters and they're like man like if i don't kill a 300 inch bull like it's not even worth posting or talking about like you know I, I can't you know but it's like dude like killing a spike sometimes that's a lot of work you know like you got to put in a lot of effort to kill an elk
1: this episode is brought to you by steelhead outdoors what makes a steelhead outdoors gun safe stand out aside from being the only american-made fire insulated modular gun safe on the market is the fact that you can customize your safe to be the perfect fit for you. Whether you pick one of the fan favorite colors inspired by our national parks or one of the nearly 1,000 custom colors they offer, your safe is going to be perfect. You can even get a safe in a rust color where they actually make the metal rust to just the right level and then they seal it so you always have a perfectly rustic looking safe. And that's just on the outside. When it comes to the inside, you can configure it all kinds of different ways by adding panels to the door, using shelves on half to organize ammo, or even adding their motion-activated light kit. I went with their brand new Recon 32 line in the awesome tactical-looking black and white, and I currently have my safe set up with lawn guns on half and shelves on the other side so I can store all of my ammo, and I love it. But the best part is it's completely modular. So as your firearm collection grows, you can configure your Steelhead Outdoor Safe to match. Check out steelheadoutdoors.com to build your custom safe. And use the code WesternRookie, one word, WesternRookie, to save $150 on your Steelhead Outdoor Safe. Especially if you're trying to win a bow. But it's all, um, it is, is—it. I don't, yeah, it's social media, but it's all, like, it's almost like rear view versus windshield, right? Like, yeah. Um, everyone that I've talked to that's, like, been there, done that, is all on the same page. Like, I have a, a, I would say he's a friend, not super close, but he's done a sheep slam with his bow. Like, this dude is intense. That's incredible. And he's, like, he's, like, dude, a spike with a bow, like an elk with a bow. You shoot a calf with milk on his lips, but you do it with a bow, like that is a trophy. Like that is hard. Right? Oh, yeah. And he, that dude's oh, yeah. done it. Yeah, that dude's not. done it. Me but me you know. get to someone that's never even gone elk right. hunting, and those are typically the kind of cats that are like, yeah, only a 280, huh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. For sure, definitely. Or they're like, yeah, like, you know, yeah, I only had cows in range, and I'm like, man, I would have pushed you out of the way and shot that cow. I had, <laughs> you know, I was like, I almost shot a cow a little the little... last year.
1: I mean, I wanted to, like, it was, right? it, I needed For like sure. a couple more yards, and that cow would have been in danger.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, me and me and one of my hunting buddies used to talk about that all the time. Like, I would rather, like, at the end of my life, if I was picturing myself, I would rather have a shop with like eighty-five point raghorns in there. Just, like, a bunch of just little bulls, but, like, I killed a mess of them versus, like, three bulls that were over, over 300. It, like, I, I want me to do this just, like, stacked a bunch of elk and just had fun doing
1: it. I watch uh, Randy's, like, shop talk videos where he's, like, talking about how, mm-hmm. I don't know, what he talks about, like, there's some of the funniest episodes he does. Like, he'll be just, like, his, oh, yeah. his uh, Five Alarm Chili video from New Mexico, I don't know if you've seen it, but we went down to New Mexico at a horrible experience (laughs) ate some chili that was way too hot he's telling the story and he's sitting on a cooler but in the background i can see all of the raghorns and satellites and he's got some nice bulls too and it's just on his rafter just boom 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 boom. there's like 24 elk up there i'm like i'm just i'm not even listening to him anymore i'm just Uh looking at the rafters like my gosh that looks cool (laughs) yeah no i agree with you yeah definitely yeah
0: and it's funny like rainy's Randy's a good example of that. I think, like in the past few years, you've definitely seen. I think, like the maturation of like Randy's points. Like he's been getting some some good tags and going on some really cool hunts the past few years. But like that's a dude that's just like always just been the killer. You know, he just goes out and, and has a good hunt, shoots well, a good, you know, a good solid three and a half field plus bowl. And
1: he's got that mid that short mid and long term. I mean, like the moose and the caribou hunts that he's been doing these last couple of years. Like he's been working for thirty years yeah. on that. And and like he yeah, spent yeah, what was talk it twenty three years building points in Colorado to hunt the northwest corner, like, yeah. If right. I had a, a twenty three point unit, I'd probably wait until a three seventy walks out too. And and I've had that tick. I mean, I I was sure. that's how I got connected with Ryan Carter. I was sending him videos. I'm like, hey, I don't know how to score elk as good as you, but when I add this bull up, I get three ninety five. <laughs> what do you get? And he's like, three ninety five. That's a toad. Like it's a huge bull. And so like I've Dang. I've had those yeah. units and now I'm back to wanting to shoot a nice plump looking calf if he walks out and it's legal, you know?
0: Right. Right. So Heck yeah. yeah like, I'm I'm a firm believer, especially if you're kind of that that like opportunity type hunter that like, you know, you, you take what you get and like you know, it eventually something's gonna happen, you know, and like say every blind squirrel gets a nut. Uh, one of my hunting buddies back in Montana, his first archery bowl was like 356. I mean, it's like, it's a pig. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. You know? But even now, like, you know, cow comes out and he's going to shoot a cow. You know, he's just happy killing elk, you know? And, and I have a buddy in Montana that's elk, got that same exact story. Then <laughs> think it's was 355 with a bow that's and funny. now he
1: shoots anything just to put elk yeah. in the freezer.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. i've I've gotten, I've gotten like pretty stable at killing, like, that that raghorn five, to like small six, like that's kind of my niche that I stick in, you know. But like, but, yeah, I mean, i was to just be fair, to like here, here at work the
1: other day, well, I was gonna say to be fair, if you do that every year, like you're like, yeah, pretty much every year, I shoot a five, six point, you know, good bull. Like you're you clearly doing something right. You spend you spend time in the Elkwoods which always helps. But eventually, like, that's not going to be a five-point that walks out. It's going to be a seven-by-seven. Like, you do it enough times, like, eventually it's just going to happen to be a
0: giant. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's where, like, yeah, I was talking to a guy here at work the other day. Like, if I, like, if I killed, like, one, I mean, 320, 330 bull in my life, I'd go out happy with that. And, like, (laughs) just, you know, a bunch of small guys after that. Like, I'd I'd be totally happy with that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but, yeah, that's where, like, one thing, like, Admittedly, like if if somebody were, was to sit you down and was like, "All right, Dave, you get to pick like your your dream hunt," mm-hmm. you know, you get to orchestrate it and everything's going to play out. It's it's going to be one hundred percent an archery hunt for me. Doesn't matter, sheep moves anything. It's archery. Elk. It's going to be my dream hunt. So like since since moving down here, uh, I live in southern Utah now. Since moving down here to work for Go Hunt, I've had all these like new states open up to me now. You know, Arizona, and Nevada, yeah. and Colorado. So like, admittedly. I kind of jumped off the elk train a little bit, and I've been, like, you know, hitting coos deer, and mule deer, and, you know, things that, like, we didn't have a lot of access to in Idaho, Montana, So like, I've kind of gotten away from elk, and, and it's bitten me real hard again in the past year, or so I'm like, man, I gotta, like, I gotta get back into that, you know, here in Utah, we have, we have an over-the-counter spike license, which is an incredibly fun time, when I mean, you're only, you're only shooting spikes, but, like, bow hunting was a blast, so, like, that's kind of been, like, my elk fix for the year, but, like, I'm like, all right, like I want to get back into bulls. Like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, on these spike units. I'm watching six points walk by a bow range. and I can't shoot them. You know, he's kind of like right. your knuckle and watch it walk by type of, you know, so like now I'm like getting the bug again, so I'm like really starting to gear back into healthy and I'm excited to get back after it. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, w- with a bow, you know, a four point walks out in front of me and screws around too long, I'm probably going to kill it. Like, you know, I'm going to get excited about it. Like it's just, it's a blast.
1: Yeah. I've, I've had the craziest experience. Um, with my elk career. So I've done eight elk hunts. I'm two for eight, two for nine, which is pretty decent. I mean, as far as rates go, we have never, I've all oh, self-guided. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they've both been with rifles and they've both been like incredible flukes. Like the one was a, uh, you know, the North Dakota once in a lifetime, but then when I started building my point plan and I was getting into go hunt and I'm, and I'm looking at all these states and like, okay, well, Utah, obviously that's not a short term option. So I'll buy points. They seem to be pretty cheap comparatively, you know, you buy the tag, but you the hunting license, but then your points are 10 bucks. It's like, well, I got like, I have like 40 Utah points because they're, you know, once you buy the hunting license for your elk point, you might as well buy the rest of them. And, right. um, and so I buy the Colorado point for the first year. And then I come back the second year and this was right when Colorado like migrated their entire online platform like three, four years ago. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that, but, um, so I get in the second year to buy my point and do my app. And it says you have five points. And I'm like, how do I have five points? Right. <laughs> and so I, I like signed out, waited a couple of days, signed back in, still had five points. And I'm like, well, the, application is right. ending soon right you know it's I mean you got to do your app in the spring and April and so and and then right. my buddy gets engaged and he's like hey man will you be in my wedding the wedding is on September 19th and I'm like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose and then the elk group at the same time was like hey we want to go to Wyoming but we have seven people in the group and you can only do an app of six so someone's got to go out and like mule to your hunt and I'm like you know all this has happened at the same right. time so I'm just like I look at Colorado, I go to filtering 2.0 and I'm like, all right, what's the next best unit? Like if I don't use these five points, what's, what's the next unit. And at that time, there was a huge dead zone in Colorado from like five to 12. And by the time you get 12, it's going to be 15, 16 or more. And so I'm like there, I mean, I feel Mm -hmm. like I should just burn these five points now before they realize their mistake. I can't go, if I'm going to go in the wedding, I can't go with the archery group anyway. And so, you know, it all works out perfect. I'll step out. Those six guys can go. I'll go in the wedding, and then I'll do this rifle hunt in Colorado. I ended up shooting a two eighty six by seven. I mean, it's the exact bowl we described. And so I've shot two elk and my average is three fifteen, and I'm still looking for a, you know, a plump calf with my bow. (laughs) You know, that's where I'm at with, I'm the, like the most (laughs) wide range. Like I was passing everything in North Dakota because of the the quality of the tag. I got the, I would say less than once in a lifetime. Like I passed like a hundred thousand people in the point ladder because they gave me four extra points. And so that'll never happen again. Um, So now I'm, like, really weird where it's, like, I have the lowest bar you can possibly have. It's, like, two centimeters above what the legal requirement is for an animal for the tag is where my (laughs) bar is. And I have a – I'm batting a really good average on my bulls. For sure.
0: Yeah. Hell, yeah. That's awesome. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, when I look for hunts, I'm looking for – you know, I like, I like when there's the, 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 the dream of a good animal, right. When that, when that trophy size is mm-hmm. like, you know, one sixty, one seventy for a buck or, you know, it's knocking on 300, 320 for an elk, but you look at that success rate and that success rate starts with a two or right. a three or a four. That's what really gets me excited. Cause I'm like, all I have oh, to yeah. do is work pretty harder pretty. than yeah. like two other people on average. Right.
0: <laughs> right. And that's where I think like leaning into like kind of your strengths when you're looking at units and in, in more so like looking at the unit being like, yeah, I think I can effectively hunt this unit, you know, finding the stats to kind of, kind of meld into that. Like, like I consider myself pretty good at being able to go into like, you know, a, a somewhat pressure unit and find areas that most guys aren't going to hit. And mm-hmm. this is just day hunting, not even doing like backpack, look for these kind of little out of I find a lot of animals that way and I kill a lot of animals that way, you know? So I, I, a lot of times i might look at some of these units that like you know the stats are pretty good but maybe the harvest success is a little bit lower than some of the other ones you know maybe we're talking like 15 percent, you know somewhere in there but i'm like okay you know some of that some of that harvest success is, is you have to take it a grain of salt because you have you, know, you have joe and bill that you know go to the diner and get coffee every morning and then go out and yeah. you know cruise cruise a normal loop and the pickup type thing you know so you have an asterisk on your on your on your harvest success you know but if i'm looking at it and i'm like okay like you know, biologists, of course, showing good elk numbers in here. This has got the exact, ca- or the exact, uh, you know, terrain types that I like, and, you know, it's kind of got everything that I like. I'm getting excited about it. I'm going to go hunt that area. Right. Um, you know, particularly if it's got these kind of little nasty canyons and stuff that I can get into, that I can get away from people. I mean, shoot on that last hunt in Idaho that I had, um, I was just day hunting from the truck. But typically, like most of my day hunts, you know, I'm doing five to seven mile loops, you know, trying to hit some harder stuff. Um, I was finding more elk within a half mile of the road than anything else. And this is just looking for spots where, you know, you hop over a ridge or, you know, across a Creek or you know something like that. Right. Um, you know, and then you kind of suss these little spots out.
1: Yeah. That's, I, you know, I don't have the same strengths. I probably don't have the same mountain legs that, that like people that live in the mountains have. Um, but I'm like mm-hmm. super patient. Like, and that's the whitetail hunter in me. Like, you know put i can sit in a platform in a tree for 12 hours so it's nothing to glass for like three or four hours with my legs stretched out nice little sun hitting me in the back Mm -hmm. right um so and i'm very adaptable you know that's probably one of my it's like i'll go in with like 10 plans and burn through the first four of them on the first morning and be like nope now we're over here and and Mm -hmm. usually that's what it takes you know eventually unless you keep hunting the same spots over and over and you can really refine your hunt plan but yeah, those kind of units. I mean, I was just, I was very right. curious. So I looked up the elk unit I had. Imagine having a tag where the trophy potential is 330 plus and the harvest success is 87%. <laughs> yeah.
0: You got to be feeling real good going into <laughs> yeah, that. When that's, you like, ju- that's like having a primo, like fourth season Colorado mule deer tag. Like, you know, I mean, just like that video we just put out with, with Chris Porter's mule deer, like, you're going to see some incredible stuff. <laughs> right. It's well, that's when out. I
1: had. Uh, That's when I saw the 390, um, and he got killed by a landowner. Um, I saw 7 by 7 That was probably 340. I saw a bunch of six points in the 3 to 330 range. And then I just, you know, we had a weird weather front. I was trying to find that big 7 by 8 again. And then we had a cold front come through on, like, September 8th. And mind you, this tag is, like, September 6th through December 31st, any weapon. Mm-hmm. In Colorado, in yeah. North Dakota. There's no black timber. There's no predators. There's very little elk hunting. Like elk behave like they're supposed to. And it's great because they call, they do all kinds of stuff. Right. So I'm using a rifle on September 8th with, you know, in the basically right. broken country. <laughs> and yeah, we had this cold front. So I just went to a spot, bugled. I had him bugling for an hour. I was working with his cows, took the, you know, it was like a 400 yard shot. And it just happened to be a giant, like a 354 inch bull. And he's, he's, Three fifty-four, right. and he's only thirty-four inches wide.
0: Oh man, times beams. That's yeah, awesome.
1: one of his beams was fifty-six and a half, and the other was fifty-three and a half. Yeah, yeah, it was good bull. It's a great. His, awesome. his mass up by his fourths, like right before his fourth start, are like eleven. Like he just. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, yeah. I've never. That was the first time I I've ever been around a big elk. Bull.
0: Right. Yeah. It's, and, and it's like when you get an old and you know a, a bull old enough to get to that type of size like I mean, you walk up on them on the ground and, i mean it's incredible how big they are that's a lot of animal.
1: yeah well the fun part was my dad was in the badlands my dad and my mom they're just four-wheeling around hanging out with me they weren't hunting with me but they just wanted mm-hmm. to be a part of it because they knew it was special and they like doing that kind of thing anyway in september but i shot them in a spot right. where it was like a dream it was like a it was like a nice downhill gradual slope of like pasture like you know, grazed down mm-hmm. to nothing for a mile, and then we cut, you know, like a half mile of, like, gentle hills. Like, like you would look at that and be yeah. like, seriously, dude, that's what you had to pack it out? Like, <laughs> it's just – it it just makes your mouth water how easy it was. But they were able to walk right. in there with me. So, you know, I, I, I shot them, I tagged them, took a couple pictures, then I went back to the road, waited for them, and then brought them in, and they were able to see it. Like, and it, my, that was the first time my dad had ever seen mm-hmm. – a big elk on the hoof too, and he's just like, "Oh my gosh, that's
0: awesome!"
1: Yeah, I was trying that's to get. All, the,
0: yeah, you got it. When you get those, when you get those, go ahead.
1: I was, I was just going to mention. I was trying to get the tenderloins out after doing the gutless method. I'm like reaching in, you know how you do that, and he's uh, like, "It seems like I don't know, you're really worth it." Like we're kind of sore, achy. We've been doing this for three hours. Like, is that going to be worth it? I'm like, I don't think they're going to be worth it, Dad. <laughs> and I pull out this tenderloin just as he says that, and it, the tenderloin was five pounds. I weighed it at home; it was so big
0: right on the kitchen scale and my
1: dad just like oh my gosh (laughs) like he's used to like antelope tenderloins in the gutless method
0: (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah all of
1: us white tail hunters have experienced that feeling of frustration when a deer blows and busts you there's no faster way to wreck a hunt than when a deer catches your scent and that's why i've started hunting out of booner blinds by maverick The ability to keep the windows closed and my scent under control allows me to hunt winds I normally wouldn't due to fear of getting busted. Just this last year, I had a nice 10-pointer walk 40 yards downwind of me and he never even raised his head to check my scent. Maverick hunting blinds can also help you keep the pressure down on your farm so you can keep sitting that stand when you have a hit lister on a pattern and be ready when he finally steps out. Click the link below and head over to maverickhunting.com and use the code Western Rookie. That's one word, Western Rookie, to save ten percent on your next blind. Crazy.
0: That's, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta appreciate those easy elk packouts. I mean, I've had a couple I can count, but like normally, like you're killing them in kind of a crap hole, you know. Oh, okay. and it's a lot of work to get them at them. I, I, I oftentimes will kill elk not really thinking about the pack out prior, and then I'm kind of like, oh crap, you know, like, here we are type <laughs> thing. But yeah. like. My wife this year shot a spike um, man I mean it was literally we climbed up a ridge it was like I mean maybe a couple hundred feet elevation again climbed up a ridge ran it in about a quarter mile and she dumped the spike at opening light and I mean it was it was a dream split it in half packed out one half came back grabbed the other half back out and it was like an hour and a half pack out done dusted wow you know but I mean you have other ones like I killed the one in Wyoming a couple years ago um pretty deep and it it wasn't a fun pack out at all with camp and half an elk on your back (laughs) you know it's not fun um yeah they're 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 big animals it takes i think it's important when you're going on elk particularly if you're going by yourself um you know but to to think about what you're going to do when you kill one and kind of having a plan in place because you know it's a lot of work i've broken down a lot of elk by myself and it's not fun um, I mean, it, it's, you know, three hours of work by yourself know, just having kind of a plan and place of how you're going to orchestrate things and lay them out and lay your meat out. Um, you know, it makes that process a lot, I don't want to say more enjoyable, but not as miserable.
1: Yeah. Well, I took the, on the, on the Colorado hunt, I was, um, I was in the Leadville area and, um, up above the tree line, it was a second rifle and I was a solo. I mean, and I'd never really solo. I was like, I've done a couple of weekends, you know, solo hunting them. And so I planned this like nine day or by myself And like it mentally wears on you And I was not prepared for that I wasn't eating enough, I wasn't drinking enough Right. Wasn't sleeping great because it snowed And so I was sleeping in the backseat of my truck Instead of the tent and the cot You know down out of the mountains And and I I glassed some elk What I was doing was driving out and up into the next unit Across the valley And then I was glassing you know, First and last light over like seven miles But I was seeing the elk up where I could hunt them and so I found some elk, got up in there, relocated them when I was close, and you know, okay, they're up there, and it was at, like they were up at like twelve five. And the whole hunt was high. I mean, everything was high. So I mean, I could right. drive to ten five, right? But um, and so I'm walking in, and there's like twelve inches of snow, and I'm postholing, and I do like two miles, and I'm like going like fifty feet, and like my legs are cramping, and I'm like yeah. running out of gas, and I can see, I can physically see the elk in my naked eye. They're like a mile and a half right over there, the big old herd of 200 of them laying down. And I just looked right. at them and I'm like, I can't, I can't shoot one. Like if I shoot one up here, I'm never going to get it out. Like there's no way I'm by myself. Right. Like, I was thinking of like, well, I could roll it down this hill. It's like, yeah, but then it's going to land in this like a terrible area where I'm not going to be able to get it out of there. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. you know what I'm going to do? Go buy a sled and pull. Like, I just, I was just going through all these options. Like uh, what's the Treboigan or whatever the trap, the two, the two sticks thing, I'm like, none of this is going to work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, none of this is going to work. And so I just walked away. I'm like, I can't shoot one of those things. I have four days left. I'm just going to take me, you know, two months to get this thing out of here by myself, the way I, the condition I'm in. And so I went to town. I got a hotel. I got a pizza, drank a bunch of water, ate some food. And then the next day, got on an elk that was like, 200 yards off the, off the trail and shot him instead and had a <laughs> 300 yard pack out. So, yes. but yeah, I walked away from him. Cause I'm like, I like exactly the point. I, I didn't have a good plan of how to get it out of there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's always like kind of that moment of like, do I do, you know, should I be responsible with this or do I, do I go kill it and then figure it out? You know, <laughs> you always yeah. kind of like, it's like that battle with it, but uh, like you hit on one thing you know i think is really important is like when you when when people are, are planning an out-of-state hunt like there's so much emphasis on you know getting like your gear dialed in and getting your e-scouting done and you know getting all of that lined out you know but like the mental aspect especially on a solo hunt can oh. be can be brutal i mean when you're you know you're day four you've gotten your tail kicked in the whole time and it's the middle of the day and the elk aren't talking and you're just like what in the hell do i do now you know you're just, you're just kind of hanging out like now that, that mental aspect of hunting can be the real killer and i think a lot of times like you get especially on the kind of like a grindy hunt when you're by yourself like i think the biggest key to success is just is just getting up and being in the woods it's not necessarily being in a key spot or being in the prime you know primo spot it's just you getting up every morning continuing to try and you know to keep doing it and keep trying your spots like it, it can be hard to keep your head in it this year in idaho i i, I did eight days up there by myself and i mean it, it was tough and i got a i got a good setup actually uh i built a bed in the back of my truck under my topper so like i, I climbed back there with you know download it on my iPad at night you know, watch movies and flicks and that kind of thing but like it, yeah it, it's tough being by yourself on a hunt and mentally keeping yourself in it if you know if you're not having good encounters every day you know that, that's one thing that like you need to be prepared for that can ruin a hunt in a, in a heartbeat yeah and everything
1: follows like the mental game like everything's gonna follow um like, it, like your physical condition and it for me, I think it was just not talking to people. Like I'm a very extroverted person yeah. and to go like eight days without talking to people mm-hmm. is the, like, I was going to subway just to talk to the person behind the counter, making my sandwich. <laughs> like, oh yeah, for sure. You know, and it's for not sure. the yeah, same. It's it just, even like, I like there's, yeah, there's no. a city of 50,000 people over there, but it's not the same. Cause I don't have cell phone reception. I'm not talking to my fiance or my family. Like you, when you're waiting for right. 20 minutes to right. get an inReach text back, like, you know, it, it's yeah, it's hard. Brutal. And so I feel very conflicted when I have people be like, Hey, I'm doing fourteen days in Colorado this year. Like, what's the best stove? And I'm like, Can we like back up a few steps here? Like, have you ever hunted elk before? <laughs> like I think you skipped right. a couple things, like a jet boil. I'd go with the jet boil, but I think we gotta talk about some other things as well. <laughs> like I'm I don't sure. think you're gonna make oh, yeah, it fourteen like, days, bud. No. <laughs> yeah. But I don't wanna tell it's them that. Like they, then like, you're
0: I'm I'm right. <laughs> I'm a, I'm like I'm a pretty introverted person. Like I enjoy my you know my solitude, my my alone time. But like there is a point on a hunt like that where you know you're you're cooking a mountain house on the tailgate of your truck using your headlamp, and you look out and you can see a town you know twenty miles away, and you're like man some dude sitting on his couch with his wife watching TV right now, you know, and I'm trying to message mine on InReach, and you're just like, there is a point where you're just like, shit, like what am I doing? Yeah. And it's like, you know, those are those points. Like I've always found my greatest success and like my greatest memories and and accomplishments and achievements. When I push through that little bit of a barrier, you know, and then usually it's like, you know, you get a little bit of rejuvenation. Like you say, I mean, my favorite is going back to town after being out for a few days, like crushing a pizza and like, you, you feel so good. And, you know, if you can get through those times and get yourself back out there, a lot of times, like, I think, you know, whether you, whether you believe in, you know, divine things or whatever, like, that, that test is there for, for a reason, and you're going right. to come out that much stronger after you've done with
1: it. Yeah, and you, just, I think I just, I think I jumped ahead a few steps. I think it would have been better to do, like, some three and four days closer to home, you know and work my way into it mm-hmm. instead of jumping into an 8 day alpine high elevation late season like the cold like it's just simple thing hot versus cold when it's hot i sleep on the toolbox right. of my truck in the sun when i'm bored but when it's cold right. like you it it just boom your mental your mental strength just gets sucked <laughs> so much faster uh. yeah So I think there's a lot to that for sure. I I recommend going with friends. Like if you're new to it and and the the demographic, like a lot, I think a lot of the listeners are, are, are probably like Midwesterners, whitetail hunters that are going out to the West. Mm -hmm. And I always recommend like go with friends, find someone, find anyone. Like as long as you can get along with them, it's going to be better than going solo. For your first couple times, like when you're oh, getting yeah, into it, it yeah. go with friends, go antelope hunting with like three of your comedians, like the three funniest friends you have, go right. get antelope tags, and your abs will hurt from laughing. One of them's gonna land oh, a cactus for is, sure, like right yeah. off the bat like <laughs>
0: <laughs> hunting yeah, finding finding hunting partners can be tough particularly like when you start talking like like you know strenuous mountain type hunt you know backpack mule deer elk hunting like yeah. you just start you learn a lot about a person on a backpack type hunt but when you when you got a guy that that's funny that you're hunting with i have a buddy that i hunted in wyoming with last year and the, the amount of jokes that this dude can just come up with off the cuff and like not have to think about it. Like, I mean, it's, it's almost like a little disturbing how many jokes he does, <laughs> but like, it's just like, even when it sucks, you know, and you're like, man, cool. We saw 16 forkies this morning, you know, <laughs> like an didn't see a mature buck at all. Like the dude that can keep you laughing. I mean, it keeps you out of those dumps a lot longer. And it just, you know, keeps the whole system running that much smoother, yeah you know, and not to mention the obvious benefits of having somebody with you and you got an elk down on the ground or, you know, whatever, well, like, you just, yeah. you know, it, hunting with a person makes makes people back home feel better about you being out there. And, and yeah. yeah, it's, you know, it's a good thing.
1: Yeah. No, if there's grizzly bears in Colorado, I would not have got the approval <laughs> to go on that solo hunt for sure. Uh,
0: right. For yeah. sure. So what's,
1: if you had to, if you had to put together, you know, I don't want to start super simple. Cause I've always, I've already covered right. it, but like, if you're going out West for the first time go rifle antelope or rifle deer hunting like that, I, that's my advice mm-hmm. every single time. Unless you for have sure. a group of like elk hunters that have done it, like, yeah, sure, tag along with them if they're gonna let you in their group. Because elk hunting is is an amazing experience in my book. But if you're like starting from scratch, like, hey, I got two buddies or three buddies and we're going out for the first, like, what do we what sh- what hunt should we plan? I'm like, you are not gonna be disappointed with an antelope hunt. You're not gonna be disappointed right. with like a front range broken country deer hunt rifle, you know. Mm-hmm. Antelope's a little bit nicer because there's a lot less things that can go wrong. You need less gear. Right. Like, weather's usually a better. back hunt. Yeah. Rifle deer, like, yeah, the weather can suck late November. Like, you a couple other things you got to be prepared for in that regard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, that's, but, like, imagine we're kind of getting through that phase. Like, someone's done a couple hunts. Now they're just, like, starting to get into that point strategy, that point. I call it a game or a maze. But, like, what – what would you kind of say is like, here's some things you might want to think about as you're starting to kind of, you know, we're not taking it year to year anymore. Now we're starting to think, you know, three to five years at a time. Like what would you recommend for like finding units? What States do you think would be like great States to start building some momentum in or some points in? How would you approach that? Mm -hmm. I'd say like that, that step two in a Western hunters career. Yeah.
0: The first thing, And I usually like kind of sit down with this with everybody. I mean, you know, I feel a lot of like consultation calls every year, kind of this exact situation. Hey, I've got this many points, you know, I'm ready to burn them. Like, you know, where am I at? The number one thing i like to first identify you know outside of like you know what weapon type you know that type of thing but it's like what what do you want out of this hunt you know again so kind of like going back to what we were talking about in arizona like do you just want to go to arizona and experience some different terrain and you know have a chance to kill an elk or are you wanting to go there to kill a 350 plus bull you know because yeah. our, our strategy now is diverging pretty heavily yeah. you know i I myself am a really big fan of like those three to five point units, because you're, you're kind of a cusp above, you know, most of your people that are just burning tags and hunting often, you know, and you're getting above your OTC tags. And so now you're getting in areas that, you know, may have less hunting pressure. They're going to have slightly better trophy. potential. You're starting to get a little bit more tangible something out of, out of mm-hmm. your points, you know, and, and, and then also along with that though, developing kind of a three to five year plan like I have a rotation right now Wyoming's kind of been the wild card because it keeps jumping in points but you know it used to be to the point where you could you could count on hunting Wyoming every three to four years you could throw in Montana every couple of years on that And then you just have to fill in your off years with you know Idaho T C, or Colorado if you, see. if you kind of get that plan going in place and then pretty quick you can kind of get a revolving door, and you can kind of keep doing that Right. Um, you know, but again, a lot of that's going to depend on on how do you want to use your points. You know, so for me personally, like there's states, I know uh, Utah, uh, Nevada, that I'm gonna carry a lot of points. in. you know, I'm not gonna get a tag unless I have a lot of points and I'm continually building points in there. But there's other states, you know, Colorado's a state I'm gonna recycle points in often uh, Montana when I can. I, I grew up in Montana so I don't go back to Montana a lot because I've hunted in much. bunch. you uh, know I mean, I'm still experiencing new things uh arizona i'm not a point chaser in arizona man i'm hitting late rifle late archery hunts for for elk and i'm not building points for deer. i'm going after cruise deer every couple of years you know oh, so those are okay. states where i kind of got my priorities lined out for that state and i know that every couple of years i'm gonna be able to do a hunt like, you know so there's there certain hunts that are kind of like my key hunts that i want to focus on namely you know wyoming general elk montana general elk those are kind of the, the two big ones that I really like to focus on. Colorado mule deer in there every once in a while, and then I have kind of my secondary states that I'm going to try to fill the gaps in with those. Yeah. You know, so I think really, really, you know, one deciding on what are your aspirations with maybe maybe each species or each state individually, and then and then kind of you know adding some type of hierarchy if you can to like what are the states that I really want to do, or what are the hunts I really want to do, focusing on those, and then having kind of your filling states from there. Um. You know, but but if you're if you're the guy that wants to build points and go hunt, you know, the biggest animals that you can, you know, at that point, you know, your strategy is quite a bit different. I mean, other than just simply applying and buying points, you know, it's kind of what you're stuck with. But, you know, then you have to start looking at, you know, where are the hunts that I can fill in in the meantime? You know, we've, we've used this example a lot around go hunt. Like, you know, you, I would rather go into a hunt with 15 points knowing that I've killed, you know, five cows in the last 15 years, as opposed to going in with 15 points that I've never killed in elk my life.
1: I can't you know, so, imagine. So I think it's a, a situation that would give me more anxiety than drawing a helo <laughs> right. or a Northwest Colorado tag. And like, I've never shot an elk with my bow. Like, right. That would, that, yeah. I would be so nervous of like, Oh my gosh, I have this once in a lifetime opportunity and I'm not prepared for it.
0: Right. I've talked about that a lot just here in Utah. I mean, like I said, I, I grew up in Montana and I mean, you know, a, a 270, 280 inch, six point great wolf um you know if i drew happened to get lucky and drew a limited entry elk tag down here on the random side of things like my worst fear is having like a 320 inch bull at 20 yards on opening morning like and in, in being stuck with that like the biggest bull i've ever killed in my life by far and large but not a big bull for the unit. you know by by this unit standard just yeah. like you know so so I, you know having some type of experience to kind of base that off of it you know makes some of those things you know you know more enjoyable but like, at the same time, I had kind of a big, you know, like I don't want to call it an epiphany, but I had like a moment this year where I had I had a general deer tag here in Utah, and it's one of the better general units in the state, I guess you could say. You know, I mean, it's still you got to you got to bust your rear end on this, but potential of like one seventy plus bucks definitely next. And, uh, I was hunting with my dad and my dad has, a, has a terminal disease. I mean, we're, we're pretty much like every hunting season, we're like, this has gotta be the last season, but like, he's, he's a tough old dude. He keeps like hanging on. But I mean, like, it, it's definitely getting to that point. He's, he's yeah. very limited on seasons right now. Um, I would not killed a deer with my dad in probably 15 years or so. And he was, he was able to come down on the deer hunt with me. So we go out and one morning we spot three bucks and they 140 150 type deer but one of them was really goofy really cool looking and i passed on all three of them because i looked at them I'm like no no like like a 165 type benchmark in my head and I'm like nope right don't want to kill them when well, i get home and i'm just like like damn you know like man i got you know i got sucked into those like those were mature bucks they're cool my dad was excited about it um you know i've never killed a deer in utah you know I'm like there's a, there's a lot of boxes there that i could have checked right and of course, I never, I never found that buck again, went back up like before I never, ever found him. But the last day of that hunt, last half hour of light, uh, a buck came out and he was, he was he was out there just for the shot I've taken. It wasn't nothing crazy. I just kind of started getting long range a little bit, but um, we we're able to get that buck killed. And he's definitely not my biggest there I've ever killed, but like that buck holds a lot of meaning to me now because like there was, there was a lot involved with that hunt that made it that much more special. You know, and I think right. like, to me now, like a lot of my hunts, like I kind of, I kind of look at that. Like I, when I went down to Arizona, I killed a pretty nice coos buck down in Arizona a couple of years ago and it wasn't a giant, but it was just a really good, solid, mature buck, you know, upper percentage for that unit that I was in. Um, that hunt, I killed him on morning, uh, the morning of day six by myself. And like, I just, I learned a lot about myself, my hunting style and, and just kind of the mental aspect of things on that hunt. And that hunt, I hold in the lottery guard even though it wasn't my baby family just because i learned a lot on it yeah you know i think i think just just going out and doing hunts there's so much opportunity for kind of the personal growth in that in that aspect um you know one other hunt too i meant to bring up earlier when you're talking you know just feel like your first western hunt um i mean it's pretty popular now but like a spring bear hunt is very approachable tags are yeah. cheap they're over the counter you're hunting mountains you know it's a lot of the same type of hunting but it's a big glassing game but spring in mountains actually it's a beautiful time of year it's a fun time to be out there you know and that's another hunt that you can do year after year if you're in the same spot and have good odds success it's a lot of fun you know and you're getting your mountain legs on you um you know that's one big shocker i mean even even growing up in the west like it doesn't feel like you'll you east scout an area and have it all lined out and then you get there and the mountains are three times taller than you anticipated they were going to be and everything's way steeper and it's like yeah, sitting at home, you're like, all right, it's a 1,500-foot elevation gain. I can do that hike, but can you do it five days in a row? You know, like, there's some of those things that like, you get out there to make. Like, it, it, it's a different game when you get in the mountains like that. It'll eat you up.
1: Yeah, I think you guys should make the maps, the Go Hunt maps, in, like, you know, January to July look steeper than they really are. Like just make them look we, scary.
0: We've talked about that, and then and then yeah. like come we, July and make them look that. like
1: true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, just like okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, we we've talked about the feature, so like. One feature we, we wanted in maps, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure. Right? We have so much stuff. Our map guys are crazy right now with the amount of features and whatnot they're building out. But, like, I've always wanted the ability, you can do it, like, on Google Earth, is to exaggerate your terrain. So, like, back in the day, like, scouting on Google Earth, I would exaggerate my terrain so it was, like, it was, it was bigger and oh. steeper than it actually looked. Just to try to, like, not get myself psyched out. You're, you're almost, like, over-psyched yourself. So when you get there, you're like, oh, I can do this. You know, this, is, this isn't that bad. Kind of like
1: wind chill. You know,
0: but, Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's yeah.
1: 10 degrees, but it's going to feel like negative 10. Like
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah. It would be brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be, be cool.
1: Brutal. Yeah, the exaggerate your terrain feature would be kind of cool because then you could, like, see, like, how flat is it? Like, it's right. amazing. Nothing in the West is actually flat. Like, even flat. Like, no. they find that places, like, there's cuts and, like, drainages and. Like, antelope hunting, it's a true testament. Like, it looks flat, looks like you can see everything out there, and it's not. Like, you walk 100 yards, you're like, oh, my gosh, I never saw this buck from the road.
0: Yeah, huge drainage. That's, like, one thing, too, like, antelope. You know, like, antelope is a species that you can effectively road hunt, you know, but there's a lot in those little chunks of BLM that, you know, snake out for a mile or two. There's a lot of canyons, draws, coolies you can't see, and there could be 100 head in there. Yeah. You know, so a lot of things, like, you may not see it, but, you know, maybe you have a good stretch of land you should be walking out on.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Well, I'm excited for app season. Uh this is my first application that I'm doing with my wife. She just got done with residency this last year and she picked Antelope as her first hunt. Um I think one hundred percent from watching Randy Newberg's Antelope Hunt and how much fun they have. (laughs) So Yeah. She's like, That's the one. That's it. Oh man,
0: yeah, that one he just did is a stun. Yeah. That's what my wife buying by an antelope point in Wyoming with like the very specific goal of pulling our camper up there with our two kids my daughter's seven my son my son will be four here in a few months um but like doing like a family hunt for antelope just because like again antelope like you can sleep in on antelope if you spook them they run over the next ridge and bed down in the open again so you just make a loop and come back on them you know yeah. so like antelope hunting is very approachable i mean it's getting harder especially with like tag cuts in wyoming like that's kind of gotten a little volatile in the past few years but like Still, you look out, like, there's antelope hunts you can do every, you know, five, six years or whatever, and a good quality hunt. You know, and the nice thing with antelope, like, like, if you're just looking to get a, you know, representation of an antelope buck, like, that dude lived on pretty much every unit in most western states. Like, that hunt is, is you know, pretty easy to do, and your success rate yeah. is good. Um, yeah, that, that that's a fun, fun hunt for, you know, a, a pretty exotic animal for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, no, I'm pumped for it. I'm hoping we can pick up some doe tags, too, while we're out there and just get some more freezer meat. Um, the unit that I think we're going to didn't Definitely. seem to get impacted by the latest winners. <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't be shooting does, but they yeah. didn't get any tag cuts. So <laughs> it's promising. We'll <laughs> right. see what happens. I mean, I'm not going to get four doe tags, but um, they're not big. animals, right. So I'd like, yeah, to that's one thing. Bring a little more. <laughs> I tell
0: people that all the time, like if you got to hunt, you know, Montana, Wyoming, whatever you're heading out West, like check for doe tags. Ain't one of those tags in those units. Like, in montana there's so many over-the-counter white-tailed doe tags you can buy you know they're pretty easy to kill and you know you add a little bit more meat to your trip that way like yeah. there's a lot of fun you can do outside of just the one tag you have
1: yeah oh there's so much opportunity we're gonna have to do another episode um in the summer about that kind of stuff like you know after app yeah. season like how to plan out the hunt and all that stuff too because I think that's another another mm-hmm. portion we could spend easily more than one hour on but just like you know how to this one's really like how to pick a hunt how to find a hunt and the, we talked about that and you know right. what to look for in a hunt and then once people get them hopefully everyone gets something hopefully everyone gets a tag in the next three four months right. maybe six months and then we'll talk about like all right you got tag. now what you know like hunt planning and because that's man mm-hmm. I, that's almost like half the fun of a western hunt for me it's like thinking about it all year long
0: for sure. That's, like, me, I mean, like, you know, working on the research side of things, obviously, I'm, like, I'm heavily endowed in, in data and draw odds and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but, like, my favorite time of the year, yeah, is, like, post-tag getting, like, e-scouting time, like, logistics, yeah. like, that. it is so much fun to get your hunt kind of lined out. because then, like, you know, you actually get to be, like, I get to hunt this spot, you know, in two months, right? You know, that you're looking at on your computer screen, like, yeah, that, that's that's my favorite time of the year is like, yeah, you're e-scouting. I love e-scouting. I spend hours doing that on the, on the computer. Yeah, that's, it's a good time, you know, and, and, and having a good plan before you go out there is always, always good. Because, I mean, it doesn't fail on most out-of-state, you know, OTC type hunts, you know, somewhere you got pressure, you're going to go out there with 12 spots marked, and by day three, they're all going to be off your list all of a sudden, and you're <laughs> like, crap what do i do tomorrow now you know so like yeah you, there, there's a lot of strategy kind of on that e-scouting thing too to make sure all your bases are covered you know and, and get to that point where you can't think of spots to go like just here's the automatic go check this go check this go check this type of thing.
1: yeah i love i'm very fast moving on like the first two three days of a hunt i will mm-hmm. come up with the morning plan that i you know plan a we're doing that the morning Half the time you don't even get to hunt that spot. It's like we pulled up two hours before daylight and there's fourteen vehicles. Right. It's like, okay. Um, but yeah, hunt a morning spot, check out two spots over lunch, find an evening spot, you know, second day, find a third spot, check out two more spots over lunch, find an evening spot. Mm-hmm. And so we've two days we've looked at eight different options and now we gotta start, you know, circling back like right. what was the best looking thing that we found yeah. so far.
0: Um, that's my general game plan um particularly with elk i'm a really active hunter yeah. I'll, yeah I'll do the same thing i'll blast into a spot in the morning if i'm not seeing signs. I'm, I'm out into another spot in the next you know that afternoon and just yeah. continually jump until I find them yeah
1: yeah that's been fun man it's been just over an hour already so i want to be respectful of your time and it's great having you here and i also have to meet my wife at the gym because we got to be there at
0: 4:30. nice <laughs>
1: Which is not an hour and a half from now for us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: So. Heck yeah, man. But no, thanks for being here, Dave, kind of sharing what's Um, the back end and and, um, kind of all the things, not only that you guys are working on, but how to use the tools that you, you know, spend Mm -hmm. a lot of your time helping promote and and build and and validate. So it's been great hearing from you and we got to do this again. I feel like we just barely scratched the surface. Definitely,
0: yeah, I'm down to... Oh, yeah, yeah, you can start getting into just state specifics when it comes to your app strategy, you know, and, yeah. and there's, you know, there's all kinds of things to talk about with each state. Yeah, I'm, I'm always down to chat.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for being here once again, Dave, and thank you for listening, folks.